A Blot in the Scutcheon, by Robert Browning. Act 1, Scene 1. The interior of a lodge in Lord Tresham's Park. Many retainers crowded at the window, supposed to command a view of the entrance to his mansion. Gerard, the warrener, his back to a table on which are flagons, etc. First retainer AY, do. Push, friends, and then you'll push down me. What for? Does any hear a runner's foot or a steed's trample or a coach wheel's cry, is the earl come or his least pursuivant? But there's no breeding in a man of you save Gerard yonder, here's a half place yet, old Gerard. Gerard. Save your courtesies, my friend. Here is my place. Second retainer. Now, Gerard, out with it. What makes you sullen, this of all the days, I, the year? Today that young rich bountiful handsome Earl Murtown, whom alone they match with our Lord Tresham through the countryside is coming here in utmost bravery to ask our master's sister's hand? Gerard. What then? Second retainer. What then? Why, you, she speaks to, if she meets your worship, smiles on as you hold apart the boughs to let her through her forest walks, you, always favorite for your no deserts, you've heard, these three days, how Earl Murtown sues to lay his heart and house and broad lands too at Lady Mildred's feet, and while we squeeze ourselves into a mousehole lest we miss one kanji of the least page in his train, you sit, oh one side, there's the Earl, say I, what then? Say you. Third, retainer. I'll wager he has let both swans he tamed for Lady Mildred swim over the falls and gain the river. Gerard. Ralph, is not tomorrow my inspecting day for you and for your hawks? Fourth retainer. Let Gerard be. He's coarse-grained, like his carved, black crossbow stock. Ha, look now, while we squabble with him, look. Well done, now, is not this beginning, now, to purpose? First retainer. Our retainers look as fine, that's comfort. Lord, how Richard holds himself with his white staff. Will not a knave behind prick him upright? Fourth retainer. He's only bowing, fool, the earl's man bent us lower by this much. First retainer. That's comfort. Here's a very cavalcade. Third retainer. I don't see wherefore Richard, and his troop of silk and silver varlets there, should find their perfumed selves so indispensable on high days, holidays. Would it so disgrace our family, if I, for instance, stood, in my right hand a cast of Swedish hawks, a leash of greyhounds, in my left, Gerard. With Hugh the logman for supporter, in his right the bill hook, in his left the brushwood shears. Third, retainer. Out on you, crab. What next? What next? The Earl. First retainer. Oh Walter, groom, our horses, do they match? The Earl's? Alas, that first pair of the six, they paw the ground, ah Walter. And that brute just on his haunches by the wheel. Sixth retainer. I, I. You, Philip, are a special hand, I hear, at soups and sauces. What's a horse to you, D. Mark, that beast they've slid into the midst so cunningly? Then, Philip, mark this further, no leg has he to stand on. First retainer. No. 
That's comfort. Second retainer. Peace, cook. The Earl descends. Well, Gerard, seeth Earl at least. Come, there's a proper man, I hope. Why, Ralph, no falcon, pole or swede, has got a starrier eye. Third, retainer. His eyes are blue, but leave my hawks alone. Fourth, retainer. So young, and yet so tall and shapely. Fifth, retainer. Here's Lord Tresham's self. There now, there's what a nobleman should be. He's older, graver, loftier, he's more like a house's head. Second retainer. But you'd not have a boy, and what's the earl beside, possess too soon that stateliness. First retainer. Our master takes his hand, Richard and his white staff are on the move, back fall our people, tsh, there's Timothy sure to get tangled in his ribbon ties, and Peter's cursed rosettes a coming off. At last I see our lord's back and his friends, and the whole beautiful bright company close round them, in they go. Jumping down from the window bench, and making for the table and its jugs. Good health, long life, great joy, to our lord Tresham and his house. Sixth Retainer. My father drove his father first to court, after his marriage day, I, did he. Second Retainer. God bless Lord Tresham, Lady Mildred, and the Earl. Here, Gerard, reach your beaker. Gerard. Drink, my boys. Don't mind me, all's not right about me, drink. Second Retainer, aside. He's vexed, now, that he let the show escape. To Gerard. Remember that the Earl returns this way. Gerard. That way. Second retainer. Just so. Gerard. Then my way's here. Goes. Second retainer. Old Gerard will die soon, mind, I said it. He was used to care about the pitifulest thing that touched the house's honor, not an eye, but his could see wherein, and on a cause of scarce a quarter this importance, Gerard fairly had fretted flesh and bone away in cares that this was right, nor that was wrong, such point decorous, and such square by rule, he knew such niceties, no herald more, and now, you see his humor, die he will. Second retainer. God help him. Who's for the great servants' hall, to hear what's going on inside? They'd follow Lord Tresham into the saloon. Third, retainer. I, fourth retainer. I, leave Frank alone for catching, at the door, some hint of how the parley goes inside. Prosperity, to the great house once more. Here's the last drop. First, retainer. Have at you. Boys, hurrah. Act 1, Scene 2.A saloon in the mansion, enter Lord Tresham, Lord Murtown, Austin, and Gendolin. Tresham. I welcome you, Lord Murtown, yet once more, to this ancestral roof of mine. Your name, noble among the noblest in itself, yet taking in your person, fame of verse, new price and luster, as that gem you wear, transmitted from a hundred knightly breasts, fresh chased and set and fixed by its last lord, seems to rekindle at the core, your name would win you welcome, Murtown. Thanks. Tresham. But add to that, the worthiness and grace and dignity of your proposal for uniting both our houses even closer than respect unites them now, 
add these, and you must grant one favor more, nor that the least, to think the welcome I should give, tis given. My lord, my only brother, Austin, he's the king's, our cousin, Lady Gendolin, betrothed to Austin, all are yours. Mertown. I thank you, less for the expressed commendings which your seal, and only that, authenticates, forbids my putting from me, to my heart I take your praise, but praise less claims my gratitude, than the indulgent insight it implies of what must needs be uppermost with one who comes, like me, with the bare leave to ask, in weighed and measured unimpassioned words, a gift, which, if as calmly, tis denied, he must withdraw, content upon his cheek, despair within his soul. That I dare ask firmly, near boldly, near with confidence that gift, I have to thank you. Yes, Lord Tresham, I love your sister, as you'd have one love that lady, oh more, more I love her. Wealth, rank, all the world thinks me, they're yours, you know, to hold or part with, at your choice, but grant my true self, me without a root of land, a piece of gold, a name of yesterday, grant me that lady, and you. Death or life. Gendolin, apart, to Austin. Why, this is loving, Austin. Austin. He's so young. Gendolin. Young? Old enough, I think, to half surmise he never had obtained an entrance here, were all this fear and trembling needed. Austin. Hush. He reddens. Gendolin. Mark him, Austin, that's true love. Ours must begin again. Tresham. We'll sit, my lord. Ever with best desert goes diffidence. I may speak plainly nor be misconceived that I am wholly satisfied with you on this occasion, when a falcon's eye were dull compared with mine to search out faults, is somewhat. Mildred's hand is hers to give or to refuse. Mertown. But you, you grant my suit. I have your word if hers. Tresham. My best of words if hers encourage you. I trust it will. Have you seen Lady Mildred, by the way? Mertown. I. I, our two domains, remember, touch, I have been used to wander carelessly after my stricken game, the heron roused deep in my woods, has trailed its broken wing through thicks and glades a mile in yours, or else some ice ill-reclaimed has taken flight and lured me after her from tree to tree, I marked not whither. I have come upon the lady's wondrous beauty unaware, and, and then. I have seen her. Gendolin, aside to Austin. Note that mode of faltering out that, when a lady passed, he, having eyes, did see her. You had said, on such a day, I scanned her, head to foot, observed a red, where red should not have been outside her elbow, but was pleased enough upon the whole. Let such irreverent talk be lessened for the future. Tresham. What's to say, may be said briefly. She has never known a mother's care. I stand for father too. Her beauty is not strange to you, it seems, you cannot know the good and tender heart, its girl's trust and its woman's constancy, how pure yet passionate, how calm yet kind, how grave yet joyous, how reserved yet free as light where friends are, how imbued with lore the world most prizes, yet the simplest, yet the, one might know I talked of Mildred, thus we brothers talk. Mertown. I thank you. Tresham. 
In a word, controls not for this lady, but her wish to please me outstrips in its subtlety my power of being pleased, herself creates the want she means to satisfy. My heart prefers your suit to her as, twere its own. Can I say more? Mertown. No more, thanks, thanks, no more. Tresham. This matter then discussed. Mertown. We'll waste no breath on aught less precious. I'm beneath the roof which holds her, while I thought of that, my speech to you would wander, as it must not do, since as you favor me I stand or fall that I pray you suffer that I take my leave. Tresham. With less regret, tis suffered, that again we meet, I hope, so shortly. Mertown. We? Again, ah yes, forgive me, when shall, you will crown your goodness by forth with apprising me when, if, the lady will appoint a day for me to wait on you, and her. Tresham. So soon as I am made acquainted with her thoughts on your proposal, howsoe'er they lean, a messenger shall bring you the result. Mertown. You cannot bind me more to you, my lord. Farewell till we renew. I trust, renew a converse ne'er to disunite again. Tresham. So may it prove. Mertown. You, lady, you, sir, take my humble salutation. Gendolin and Austin. Thanks. Tresham. Within there. Servants enter. Tresham conducts Mertown to the door. Meantime Austin remarks, Well, here I have an advantage of the earl, confess now. I'd not think that all was safe, because my lady's brother stood my friend. Why, he makes sure of her, do you say yes, she'll not say, no, what comes it to beside, I should have prayed the brother, speak this speech, for heaven's sake urge this on her, put in this, forget not, as you'd save me, t'other thing, then set down what she says, and how she looks, and if she smiles, and, in an underbreath, only let her accept me, and do you and all the world refuse me, if you dare. Gendolin. That way you take, friend Austin. What a shame I was your cousin, tamely from the first your bride, and all this fervor's run to waste, do you know you speak sensibly today? The earl's a fool. Austin. Here's Thorold. Tell him so. Tresham, returning. Now, voices, voices. St. The ladies, first. How seems he, seems he not, come, faith give fraud the mercy stroke whenever they engage. Down with fraud, up with faith. How seems the earl? A name. A blazon. If you knew their worth, as you will never. Come, the earl. Gendolin. He's young. Tresham. What's she? An infant save in heart and brain. Young. Mildred is fourteen, remark. And you. Austin, how old is she? Gendolin. There's tact for you. I meant that being young was good excuse if one should tax him. Tresham. Well? Gendolin. With lacking wit. Tresham. He lacked wit. Where might he lack wit, so please you? Gendolin. In standing straighter than the steward's rod and making you the tiresomest harangue, instead of slipping over to my side and softly whispering in my ear, sweet lady, your cousin there will do me detriment he little dreams of, 
he's absorbed, I see, in my old name and fame, be sure he'll leave my Mildred, when his best account of me is ended, in full confidence I wear my grandsire's periwig down either cheek. I'm lost unless your gentleness vouchsafes. Tresham, to give a best of best accounts, yourself, of me and my demerits. You are right. He should have said what now I say for him. Yon golden creature, will you help us all? Here's Austin means to vouch for much, but you, you are, what Austin only knows. Come up, all three of us, she's in the library no doubt, for the day's wearing fast. Proceed. Gendolin. Austin, how we must. Tresham. Must what? Must speak truth, malignant tongue. Detect one fault in him. I challenge you. Gendolin. Witchcraft's a fault in him, for you're bewitched. Tresham. What's urgent we obtain is, that she soon receive him, say, tomorrow, next day, at furthest. Gendolin. Ne'er instruct me. Tresham. Come. He's out of your good graces, since forsooth, he stood not as he'd carry us by storm with his perfections. You're for the composed manly assured, becoming confidence. Get her to say, tomorrow, and I'll give you. I'll give you black organda, to be spoiled with petting and snail paces. Will you? Come.